to the Goodies Pirate Podcast Christmas Special. I'm Dave. I'm Tom. I'm Richard. And we'd like to welcome Tracy. Hi. And we'll introduce Tracy to you properly in a moment. So for those of you who are listening to this as we downloaded, and it is the week of Christmas, happy Christmas. To those of you who are coming to this episode a little later, don't worry, less than 12 months until the next one. So <laughs> we're going to talk about four different things on this episode. But before we do, Tracy, what's your involvement with the Goodies? Oh, the goodies has always been part of my life. I remember watching it as a kid with my dad and my sisters nearly every night for most of my childhood. And I guess it's never left. And you've actually had a significant contribution to goodies fandom in Australia, which we're going to discuss shortly. Yes, I was involved in the Kitten Cotton the Goodies Convention in 2000. Fantastic. So that's going to be the second segment we're going to talk be, about. Be, be honest, you oversaw it. <laughs> yeah, I made it happen. Okay. <laughs> With some help, but yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be the second thing we're going to talk about on this special episode. We're going to start with a brief discussion about the goodies Christmas specials as a concept. So, such as they are. Such as they are. We're going to have a special quiz, and then we're going to do a bit of feedback from you, the listeners. So hopefully you'll enjoy something a bit different to celebrate this festive season. So as we alluded to, nowadays it seems that every program on British TV has a Christmas special at some point across it. The goodies don't have a lot of these, do they? They only really do two Christmas-themed productions, I guess, across their run, which is obviously Earth and Asia, which is set on Christmas Eve. Although it's a rather depressing Christmas Eve, <laughs> <laughs> we must right. say. Um, but 
the other one, really, the only other Christmas theme thing they did, other than, we'll talk about the records in a sec, but the only other Christmas theme thing they did for television was the Goodies Instant Travelling Five Minute Christmas special that they did for Christmas Night with the Stars. Yes. Very early in their run. They did obviously do two programs that were done as Christmas specials, which were The Goodies and The Beanstalk, obviously, and The Goodies Rule OK. Which are notorious for not actually referencing Christmas. No. I think the idea being is that uh, if they had no Christmas content, they could be shown any time. Yes. Which is very smart of them. Yes, meaning repeat fees. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You touched on music. What's the Christmas link there? Tom? Oh, well, they had a couple of Christmas songs, one of which was Make a Daft Noise for Christmas, and the other one being Father Christmas Do Not Touch Me. So. <laughs> Which you heard respectively as the intro and later the outro to this episode. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, of course, because this is coming up well before we get to season nine, Snow White 2 is the pantomime episode, which is best relating to the Christmas spirit. Yes. I believe they got fairly close to doing a goodies Christmas pantomime as a stage production. Uh, at one point, I think that was somewhere around season seven. As with the movie, I, I think when it came time to actually finding the financing, people suddenly lost interest. Fair enough. So not a lot of Christmas links there, but a little bit. Enough to start us off. We now want to talk a little bit about something we've mentioned fairly regularly throughout this podcast, which is Kitten Con, as opposed to Kitten Kong, which was the goodies convention in Melbourne in 2000. And the leading maestro on that was Tracy. Hello again. Hello. And ably supported by two people that we've heard from before, uh, Richard. Hello again. And Tom. And I'm still here. Guys, tell us about Kid and Con. How did this come about? Getting, well, let's first of all say Tim Brooke Taylor was the guest, wasn't he? He was indeed. So it was a convention in Melbourne in Australia. How long did it go for? It was a convention that lasted three days over Easter in 2000. Started on uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, that led into the trivia night that night. And then we went through uh, just two days full-on programming of uh, goodies-related events for that. So how does one go about getting a goodie to come and appear at your event in Australia? Well, I can tell you the way I did it. (laughs) (laughs) I found my website, Goodies Rule OK, on the internet one day, and they mentioned something about a convention. And I thought, well, that sounds like a great idea. So I contacted them and asked them if the guys were keen and how, they, how many of them were coming and what did they say when they were approached. And I got back a reply that they hadn't actually approached them yet. At which point I said rather flippantly, well, I'm heading off to the UK shortly. I'll ring them up and ask them for you. Next thing you know, I know, I'm in London with Timbrook Taylor's phone number and <laughs> managed to arrange with him a meeting, at which point I explained what we were interested in and would he like to have a free holiday in Australia? And he very kindly said yes. And it kind of went from there. My memory of it, this is probably about late 1998, because I know we worked on it for a long time. I remember getting the phone call from you from Britain saying, I think I'm going to be talking to Tim soon. What do I have to ask him? (laughs) The the convention also approached Graham, didn't they? I thought we had tried to approach Graham as well. And he was kind of sort of interested, but something happened at the last minute and he had work or a stage play or something had come up and he couldn't make it but then all of a sudden you know this wonderful internet thing uh, was that we could perhaps do a live video chat so that was mooted at that point and it was organised by Tim's son 
Yes, it was. Which for me, certainly well, for everybody, I think really was the highlight of the weekend. But so, what you're essentially saying is you had Tim on stage live and Graham on Graham video. and Bill. Graham and Bill. Bill, I think, said quite early on when he was approached, he said, "Look, he wasn't interested in coming out for a convention." But I think when it was then floated, well, maybe look if he could spare an hour or two to go and sit in front of a camera. With the link, I think the initial thing was to pre-film that and Graham had a couple of tricks where he was gonna make it look like it was live. They were gonna script it, I thought he said. And then when it became apparent that actually, yes, we could get a live video feed going, then we'll do that instead. Mm. I actually got involved a little later than you two. You'd sort of started a bit of the setup by the time I came on board. I needed help with the rest of it. Yeah. So, all right, let me talk to a few people. So we went to the people that were helping out in the Multiverse Interfan Club conventions. And that's where Richard got involved and some other very good friends of ours, Dean and Alison. We've talked a few times about the Goodies Club and we'll probably do a special on the club itself, I think, when we do our Goodies in Australia episode a little later in the run. But I do remember the next step was I think we actually managed to get, because the committee for the club was quite disparate at the time. Well, the president, Alison Bean, lived in Adelaide, I think from memory. Brett, who was the vice president, was in rural Victoria. But I do remember the first one where we had all the committee together Mm. to actually sit down. We spent an afternoon in the pub basically just planning what we wanted to do. Out of that, the basic decisions were made from my memory, Grace, was that, yes, it was going to be held, celebrate the 30th anniversary of the goodies. It's going to be held in Melbourne because this is where all the workers were. And then my memories actually, over the next few months leading into the convention, were more meetings in pubs. (laughs) But we did get there. There were a few tribulations along the way were my memory. We did actually get there. Tim did arrive in the country. Okay, so that brings us to our next bit. So venues have been booked, tickets have been sold, and Tim is now arriving in the country. So what was that like to suddenly have a goodie in Australia in your hands, so to speak? This is me dancing around. It's a visual thing, but... (laughs) I think what Tom's trying to say is that it was very exciting, (laughs) especially to those of us who've been watching the show forever and ever and ever, and to finally actually have this person here and very generously handing over his whole time to whatever we had in store for him. Because there was a lot of media interest in him and he did I think he pretty much straight off the plane and into a studio somewhere almost didn't he? It wasn't a studio we went down to the Elephant in Milborough in St Kilda at nine in the morning for him to do an interview with Today Tonight or something like that and literally you know that they got somebody there to man the pub pouring him a beer <laughs> and topping it up for each take. Picked Pour him up it. from the airport found someone who had an apartment in the city which we could use so he could have a cup of coffee in a shower and then off he went to do some things to try to get as much media interest as we could to get the word out and, and there was a lot of interest and I, and I have to say he worked like an absolute trojan over the few days leading into the convention across the weekend and afterwards yeah he really ran himself ragged for us across those days so working very closely with tim how close would you say tim brooke taylor the man is to tim brooke taylor the goody well he's not <laughs> They're very different in real life, I think it's fair to say. Often when you meet someone that you've known through the television or something for a long time, you you meet them and you're disappointed. With Tim, it was the opposite. He was just somebody that you would like to be friends with even if he wasn't famous, which was brilliant. So what sort of things did he do for the convention? Was it just him talking? Was it Q&A? What was Tim's involvement? He spent the first couple of days, as we said, when he got here, was just 
interview after interview after interview. He went on a lot of stuff locally. On the Friday when we were setting up the convention, there were sort of two teams. There was the, the group who had Tim and were taking him to his various media engagements, like he appeared on the Good Friday Appeal. And then there were those of us who were sort of just working at the site trying to get the thing set up. And my main memory actually of the Friday afternoon, because we didn't open the doors, I don't think, until about four o'clock, was just more and more people just queuing on the steps out the front of the venue just waiting to come in and we went out a couple of times and said look we're not going to open the door for a couple of hours look you know you want to go and grab a coffee or something we're not letting you in they're like no it's cool we're just super excited to be here and we're just we're really keen to come in and then of course we did meet and greet with Tim after he'd finished his last media Mm. engagement and we sort of let the crowds in and I remember the registration desk was just swamped we really were we were flat out there just getting people through the doors for the first bit and Tim he again look he was great he had time for everybody he made sure he spoke to everyone who wanted to come up to him and say hello and get a photograph he was great and the poor bloke he was knackered by the end of that I remember he got just before we started the trivia night and he's like look please can I just go back to my hotel now (laughs) I need to get some sleep before the work starts the next day so what was that work the next day okay so the next day you know we had the opening ceremony and there was a QA. and a and this in the day before your supernovas and your Armageddon's that are now, which is... Yeah, big professionally run cons. Yeah, and saturated with guests. This is the old style fan run convention. If you got a guest, it was amazing and, you know, whatever. So Tim was there on stage. And then not only did he got off stage and then he went and sat and there was a... Because we had, I, I think, 400 people through the door over the weekend. I remember because we ran out of badges and we, we had people turning up at five o'clock on the Sunday afternoon. And it was sort of like, look, you've missed everything. Look, you want to come in and say you saw Tim on stage? Look, come in, he's doing the closing ceremony now. But, but then we did an autographing session and he sat there for three hours, I think, and made sure everybody got an autograph. Was he doing lots of Q&A or was it like, was it an interactive presentation? Or? So the first thing he did, we introduced him and he did a fairly lengthy Q&A session. He then, I think, Paul Black, I think probably wanted a bit of a break. And, and he was doing media interviews sort of in the green room. I think he actually had people coming in wanting to interview him. Yep. We then did the auction when he came out and modelled the black pudding and the scripts, I think, from memory. Yeah, he he came and helped us on the auction. Yeah, Uh, because he brought some items over, uh, some goodies memorabilia over, which he actually very generously said we could auction off for charity, which included the big ticket item was probably a screen-used black pudding prop. He had a number of scripts. He also brought the furry Funky Gibbon glove and one of the big flat caps from Ecky Thump, which weren't auctioned, but... But he came out and modelled those, and then, as I said, he then went and sat there and exhausted himself doing autographs for most of the afternoon. So it sounds like people who turned up generally got to interact with Tim Brooke Taylor. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, and then he took part in the panel show that we ran. So we did, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, live on stage. Did that work out? Did he have professional comedians with him? Or no. Would man. it be fair to say then that Tim sort of held that together? Or? Well, some of the other panels were more successful than others, yeah. shall we say. Tim actually took the chairman's role rather than the panel's role that he does on the show that is professionally done. And it was basically done by... Well, fans. Fans. And it was intercut with segments from the actual professional version as well, so... Yeah. People didn't have to just watch us pretending to do it. They got to hear the real thing at the yes. same time. It sounds to me as though he was very happy to go along with your, you know, your madcap ideas or whatever. Yeah. Everything that was asked of him, he... And more. And yeah. more. He rose to the challenge and then just went 
beyond that. After he'd finished doing all that, they then took him in. He did a TV appearance that night. Uh, that was the night he did the Russell Gilbert show, I think, from yep. memory. And then he actually came back. And of course, we then get to the highlight of the convention where we had the video link up with Graham and Bill. And then he came back and did that and then went and collapsed, I dare say, poor man. But so, so what was involved in the video link? Was it them interacting with each other, with the audience? How, how was that? We installed an ISDN link at the venue because they didn't have one. This is the year 2000, just remember. <laughs> 2000. So that was the only cost to us because the other end paid for the call. And we had the two of them in the studio there. We and had and we have Tim's son, actually, really to thank for that. We so do indeed. Ed Brooke-Taylor. Ed was a champion on that project. And so we had a live link with the three of them. We could see them, they could see Tim and they were chatting amongst themselves and they were taking questions from the floor as well. Basically Tim interviewing them, asking them questions. One of the favourite ones that, Graham and Bill, I was on radio this morning and I said that you two were utter bastards. Is this true? And Graham goes, I don't know, I didn't hear the interview. (laughs) (laughs) So would it be fair to say that when they were on Graham and... Bill equally got involved in the spirit of the event and were equally happy? Oh yes, very much. Most definitely. And my main memory of that is that the room for that was absolutely packed. They were really squashed in like sardines. Mm. Okay, well that leads to my next question, which is what was the participation like? You know, numbers, how far away did they come from? What was it like having this many goodie fans in the room? I reckon we nudged or even broke 400 people for the weekend. I we, think we had a massive turnout for this. We did. We had uh, people fly in from the UK and America specifically wow. for the convention it was just a huge turnout we you know we were having that many goodies fans in a room what what was the atmosphere like it was electric it was it was great and, and i really got into the spirit a lot of them came in costume we actually did have a costume parade later in the con and also the um the goodies themselves didn't realize what a level of fan base we had here because it didn't run so much in the uk because it's on all the time here and the, the turnout was a surprise for all of them, and that's what led to their subsequent tours. Yes, well, that's Australia. true, actually, because John Pinder saw what had happened at KittenCon and thought, well, yes, we could do this professionally. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in our Australian fandom special later in our run. Yes. Yeah. Plug, plug. <laughs> so Tim also did speak about his time on It's Marty and that last 1948 show. So it wasn't just the goodies. Uh, there was panels on the goodies versus Python. He did another Q&A on Sunday, and then there was another really extended autographing session. And again, he sat there and made sure every last person who wanted an autograph got one. Yeah. In terms of the Q&A, did he remember a lot? Was he very full in his answers? What was he like? Because I've seen various different sorts of guests at conventions. No, he was really good. He remembered a lot. Had lots of anecdotes, sort of filming things that happened while they were out there on site and location and things like that. He wasn't afraid to name name at times, which if we ever get a con video released, I'll make editing that a bit interesting, but... (laughs) Certain things might have to be redacted. Yes, I think so. (laughs) The interesting thing about the whole convention, though, was just how popular the video rooms were. One, you had some premieres there. This is where Caught in the Act, Hype Pressure... Commonwealth Games. Commonwealth Games had been shown for the first time. So they were actually put up... The, the large big main, main room. Big main room, thinking a lot of people are going to watch this. So we thought, everybody's seen the goodies. Nobody's going to want to sit there and watch, you know, hours and hours of gold goodies episodes. Now, those video rooms were standing room only for a lot of the weekend. For a lot of the weekend. But basically, if Tim wasn't on stage, you'd find there were people, yeah, just cramming in there. We sort of thought, yeah, everyone had seen the goodies and everyone had watched them, but there was actually people who hadn't watched it for years. 
yeah. and suddenly just wanted to go back. And Tim, I remember, snuck in there a couple of times. Tim did. Um, he was standing there watching and laughing himself. Yeah, and he said he'd forgotten in some instances just how good some of these were. Yeah. All right, well, we'll move then into just your favourite personal memories of the weekend. Tracy, what would your big highlight be? My highlight was the fact that I was in charge of looking after Tim. Oh, wow. So you were his personal mind for the weekend. <laughs> I was driving him around and we were spending a lot of quality time together. Oh, fantastic. Richard, what about you? I've got a couple. I mean, look, I was a bit concerned about the Friday Night Trivia Night before we did it, and I was quite happy that came off. Probably in terms of stuff we did at the convention, it has to be the Saturday Night Link Up, but my favourite part of the con actually was sitting there on Sunday evening when everyone had gone home and we packed up and we were just sitting there with Tim in the green room and just thinking, Jesus, we actually pulled this off. We actually did it. Yeah, that was a great sense of accomplishment. You had the, all of the, the main committee there. You know, we had a couple of those photos that were just taken of all of us yep. you know, around Tim. And so would that be your personal highlight, Tom? Or do you no, no, I've got another one. Um, the day that Tim arrived and we took him out for all of these interviews and everywhere we went, and I thought, you know, this is Timbrook Taylor. I'm not just going to wear jeans and a T-shirt to this event. So I'm there, I'm a nice shirt, and I'm wearing a vest and things like that. Sort of, I looked like a, almost like a bodyguard type of thing. So we'd gone into the ABC studios to whatever he's doing there. And while he's talking, I'm, I'm out there, but I'd been given the waistcoat to mind. His waistcoat. And so I just had it there over my arm. I'm just standing there. And I get mentioned on radio, goes... Is that your minder out there or something? <laughs> he goes, yep, he's the protector of the waistcoat. <laughs> oh, that sounds like you all had a pretty wonderful experience. I think I'm biased probably in terms of the Doctor Who one I oversaw, but I actually think that is the best con that I've been involved in. I think so. So that leaves the final question. Can you con too? Well, we did, we did talk about it. Well, there was talk about it. Oh, we never got onto how the name came about because, you know, we did all sorts of advertising towards it. was Y2K was up and coming, so we were right. doing the G2K ads and things like that, popping them in as uh, things like that. But um, I think we were talking when we were driving out to one of our many places looking for the perfect venue. And it just struck me, you know, what are we just going to call it? And we're just going, watching Kitten Kong and I think just chop the G off and you got Kitten Con and that was you know where we thought of the name then you got your friends to do the logos and the the booklet yeah so yeah it, it, it was a great time other than my son breaking his arm that weekend oh yes <laughs> yes because of course you missed the link up I did miss the link up so I was most disappointed by that but hey there's my family but in terms of another one, well, look, it's the 50th anniversary of the goodies in a couple of years, so um, we, we whether any of them would still want to come out here, I don't know, but I'd like to think we could maybe do something for the 50th anniversary. Well, if you think that there should be something and you'll turn up for it, let us know. All right, we're now going to move into the next part of our Christmas special, which is a end-of-year quiz. So we've got three rounds of questions, point for each, two points in the last round. Whoever buzzes in first gets the first go, and if they get it wrong... Then the next person can have another crack. We'll just test our buzzers. Tom. Richard. And Trace. The first round is what line? I've taken a line of dialogue from one story from each of the BBC series. And you need to tell me what episode it is from. I'll let you know that the lines are in alphabetical order. <laughs> rather than any, any other right. order. So not even which season? Oh, this is no. going to be embarrassing. Oh, okay. 
the first line. And if you refuse to help me, I shall lay a curse on you all. Tom. Is that the old black magic? It is. Second line. Chuck me down a lighter, will you? Tom again. That's the um, T-Rex episode. No. Richard? Lighthouse keeping loonies. It was. Did I go walking? Jeez, it must be powerful. Tom? Snooze. Snooze. (laughs) You've got a bigger button than we have. (laughs) My mind went to sleep. (laughs) Did you realise that today, even in London, you can find traces of primitive, uncivil... Richard? That's the Stone Age. That is the Stone Age. (laughs) I think we stand a better chance as a glee club. Music master. Music master. Or music lovers, yes. Yeah. Instead of trying to talk to them, some of us tried to blast them out of the sky. Tracy, you were just in there first. You friend or UFO? You friend UFO, yes. Listen, mate, that is one of God's creatures. Tom? Black and white beauty? No. Richard? I was going to go with dodo nuts. Dodo nuts. And our final one. Uh-huh. Yes, I stuffed it with hamsters. Trace. Black and white beauty. Correct. <laughs> so at the end of round one, we have Tom and Richard on three and Trace on two. Round two, we have ten questions. I've called this round, which goodie? I'm going to read a line from their biographies and you simply have to tell me which goodie it is. Which goodie attended Winchester College? Richard. That's Tim. That is Tim. Which goodie captained his school's rugby union team? Tom. So Tim. No, Richard. Bill. It was Bill. Which goodie had a role in the film Willy Wonka? Trace. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that was Tim. (laughs) That was the end of the movie. It was Tim, yes. That was actually the very last scene they filmed, apparently. Uncredited. Which goodie has a son who plays keyboard occasionally for the... Graham. Yes, for the Scissor Sisters. Well done, Tom. Which goodie... Read law at Cambridge. Trace. Tim. Tim. Which goodie was a presenter on Wild in Your Garden? Richard. Well, that has to be Bill. Yes, it was. <laughs> I was going to check. You're very surprised <laughs> it was one of the others. Which goodie was a writer on the sitcom Surgical Spirit? Tom. Graham. Yes. Which goodie was born in Aberdeen? Graham. Graham, yes. It's getting exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Two more to go. Which goodie was part of the team on At Last the 1940... Trace. Tim. Tim, At Last the 1948 Show was Tim. And finally, which goodie wrote for and appeared on That Was the Week That... That Was the Week That Was, Tom? That was Bill. That was Bill. So at the end of that round, all three of you are on six points. <laughs> As I said, it's getting exciting, isn't it? <laughs> So we're now into our final round, which is general trivia. Double points available here. For this one, you get a point for each of the correct answers. There are two. What years were Tim and Graham back-to-back presidents of the Footlights at Cambridge? Richard, just? Uh, 1961 and 1962. Neither of those are correct, Tom. 63, 64? 63 was Tim and 64 was Graham. Interestingly to note, Peter Cook was 1960 and Eric Ida was 65. 
Who guest starred in the episode Farm Fresh? Richard? John LeMessurier. It was John LeMessurier, yes. Alright, for two points. All three goodies have OBEs. What does OBE stand for? Richard? Order of the British Empire. No. Brace. That's what I was going to say. Tom? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Officer of the most excellent order of the oh. British Empire. Oh, the most excellent. <laughs> but no, officer, because yeah. you get different levels of it. No, yes, you get member, officer, yeah, you're right. Knight, etc. Yeah. yeah, okay. So no points on that one. Again, two answers and a point for each correct one. In which two seasons did Henry McGee appear? Tom? Season two? Yes. And season four? No. Richard, can you give us the other one? Season three. Correct. And finally, our final question for the trivia for two points. Which episode was first broadcast on the 24th of December, 1973? Tom? Goodies in the Beanstalk. Goodies in the Beanstalk at Walt. Ah. At the end of our quiz, Trace, you have six. Richard has nine, but Tom, you're our Goodies Trivia winner with 11 points. So well done to everybody. And you are now deemed officially amazing. <laughs> so make sure you tell us at home how you all did, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And that leads us very nicely into our final segment, which is where we're hearing from you, our wonderful listeners. So... Both of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. we know we've got at least seven, because seven people responded to our request for specific comments <laughs> on this episode. But we've also got some comments that some of you have left on our Facebook page about some of our other episodes. So we might have a bit of a discussion about some of those. We asked you just for general comments about the goodies, why you like it, what your favourite memories might be. Our first comment is from Adam Unwin, who says, Guess who got a certain special vinyl record for his birthday? And now, a walk in the Black Forest. <laughs> Good on you. I hope you enjoy playing it. So, again, and again, and again. So does that mean he got a goodies record and actually got a walk in the Black Forest? Well, I'm assuming it means he got a walk in the Black Forest. <laughs> That's excellent. One from Paul Edward Clinch. You can't beat the story of the man who laughed himself to death watching the Icky Thump episode. My personal favourite is torn between Goodies and the Beanstalk or the one where giant children's TV puppets take over the government. Oh, well, both the Christmas specials. Yeah, well, very appropriate that you like those for this episode. And yes, we certainly covered the story of the gentleman who died laughing during our Icky Thump episode. Alex Mitchell. Yes. We've got a comment here from Alex Ferguson. Poker scene from OK Tea Rooms is pure awesomeness in an episode of Awesomeness. <laughs> Huge shout out to the donkey too. <laughs> the goodies prop use was brilliant and they were at their very best when the props were terrible. Yeah, I think we noted in the episode that donkey did some sterling work. <laughs> it did. I think I actually had the poker scene as my favourite gag from that episode, so good to hear Alex agrees. But one point I do want to make is, not only is that donkey footage incorporated into the theme clips for the opening credits, but the way that they actually get the sound of falling over to perfectly align with the music <laughs> in the later series, that's just, that's just a wonderful thing. One from uh, Greg Tong, not the belly button. That's got to be a reference. I'm assuming that's got to be an euthanasia reference. Yes. <laughs> another Christmas episode. Yes, and indeed another one for euthanasia from Jamie Lex Unwin, who says, Euthanasia legitimately had me worried for the boys the first time I saw it, and the wonderful climax has me in hysterics the first time, and then an immediate downer. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's something we've discussed, is that emotional rollercoaster that is euthanasia. And from Matt McCabe, what about the funky gibbon? Smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we mentioned earlier, we can say we have seen the original funky gibbon glove. Yes. 
what we're going to do now is work through some of the episodes that we've talked about this year and uh, list some of the comments that you've had, maybe make a few replies to them. We're going to start all the way back in January of this year with The Lost Tribe. Wow. Where Squirrel Comedy... I assume that's not his real name. I shouldn't make assumptions. Squirrel Comedy said, One of my early faves. I remember watching The Galloping Gourmet as a kid. They must have been repeats or something. But I knew who Graham was sending up when I saw it. All the 10 bits are hilarious too. Looking forward to listening. So hopefully he enjoyed our Lost Tribe episode. Yeah, I was going to say, because I don't think we were that positive about it from memory. No, but I think we did say that Graham as the Galloping Gourmet was definitely the highlight of the episode. So. Yes, even though we did think it was Keith Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trace, you've got a couple of comments there about Kit and Kong. I've got one here from Michael Ferguson. I would even go so far to describe it as the definitive goodies episode, one of my all-time favourites. Well, it's a prize-winning episode, so I have to say I agree. And there's another comment there as well. Uh, also, we've got one from Glenn Hewitt. Great work, guys. Just started listening to your podcast. Loved your recent discussion on Kitten Kong. It would stand as one of my all-time favourites. Been a fan of the show since the very early 80s, and despite having watched the show numerous times, it never fails to raise a laugh. I think it's fair to say that Kitten Kong is a classic. Yeah, well, I certainly think it's probably the most iconic episode that they did. Yes. And I, and I think that came across. And let's face mm. it, the kitten... Knocking a twink, over the... Yes, Twinkle knocking over the post office towers in the credits all the time from there on. Yep. And gets revisited a couple of times. <laughs> Thank you, Hype Pressure. Our next comment is from Adam Deverell, which is about For Those in Peril on the Sea, or The Lost Island of Munger. He says, One of the few goodies episodes I think veers towards the unwatchable. Well, there's only a few. I seem to remember I was doing a bit of the uh, defending of that episode when we recorded it. I enjoyed it as well. Not everybody's cup of tea, but I think Henry McGee and... um... Gerald? Gerald. (laughs) Thank you, Gerald. (laughs) All right, we have a couple of comments from Campbell McGregor on Superstar. I remember when it was first shown. At the end, my father turned around to my brother and said, well, how do you like it when they're making fun of your favourites? And followed up with possibly slightly self-indulgent on Bill Oddie's part, but still quite funny in a way. I think that actually reflects pretty well what we see. <laughs> yes, I think I think so. I remember that being quite an interesting discussion when we had it. Uh, still, I believe, one of Rob's favourite episodes, though. I think it probably loses it towards the end. But I, I think there's a lot to like in Superstar. We had one comment on Big Bunny, which was from Lawrence Cotton. Simply says, one of my all-time favourites. And it was one of ours too. It was one of ours too. Absolutely. And as we said, it was one of the episodes that inspired this podcast. Yes, it was. For good and bad reasons. Yes, indeed. Yes, that was a very definite what you couldn't get away with today. Mm. Uh, Okay, NHS, Mark Chuck Harding. I haven't seen this episode in years, but it was on high rotation. It was one of the ones I had on video. I remember it being funny as... And yes, as soon as you played the Elixir song, I was singing along in the van. Huge smiley face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes, that's great. Well, that, that song, and I, and I think the music is probably one of the things that does stay with you. Yeah, it is. Look, we all made the comment that even after not watching it for five years, ten years, fifteen years, mm. we could all remember the lyrics to the Medicine Man song. Yep. Yep. Because we're going to be cured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, now we're now moving on to cunning stunts, and we have another comment here from Adam Devil. All goodies fans have an episode they love, but others don't. This is mine. I thought you guys were far too tough on it. It features one of my all-time favourite scenes, Graham and Tim firing Bill, but then presenting him with the cheese plaque. (laughs) 
Yes, we know you're fond of Blue Stilton, but this is Mousetrap, and I think the Euro-raving loony competition is one of the better film slapstick scenes they did. I even laughed at their takeoff of stereotype chauvinism in the office. Great episode, one of the best in the series, but I'm the only one who seems to think so. I do remember we were quite critical of uh, that episode, and I think we made the comment at the time that there were lots of good bits that just didn't quite gel together, so maybe we were looking at it too analytically. Maybe. Um, I do actually think that the scene where they're firing Bill, I think that is quite good, and I think you even picked it as your favourite. I, I think, think I did pick it as my favourite gag. And I do seem to recall us saying that the Raven Lindy competition certainly is technically extremely well done. But look, just a good example that even though we might not like something, every episode mm. is someone's favourite. Alrighty, so we have a couple of comments on South Africa. Jason Sandy James says, featuring the much missed Philip Maddock. He's great in that. Yeah. He's great in everything. Uh, <laughs> Michael Forgerson. This one could never be made today. Shawez Khan, awesome. Gav Dawson, um, they definitely meant well. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry McLean, I've seen an interview with Graham Garden in, in that this was brought up. This is not the original cut as the BBC thought they were being unfair to the South African government, so they had to re-edit it, which they did. They added even more jokes about the stupidity of apartheid. All in all, it hasn't aged well, but I think their intentions were well meant. Yeah, I think that our South Africa episode attracted a few more comments than normal because there was that debate about, you know, could you get away with it today and do the good intentions outweigh some of the uh, problematic moments in the episode? To say the least. But if we get our listeners to uh, have a think about it, that's a good thing. Uh, a couple of comments here on the episode The End. Shannon Sando says, The only episode I didn't like. The Earth-moving equipment dinosaurs would be my favourite, closely followed by Scouts. Uh, Adam Deverell says about the end, another great episode. All of the goodies episodes where they're confined in spaces are highlights, though. Completely agree. Completely agree with that. I did make the point in the episode, though, that I struggled with it as a kid. Now I've got one here on Bunfight, the OKT rooms. Adam Deverell says, I agree that the sight of the goodies squirting each other with tomato sauce was disturbing for a kid. I'm sure if this was because of the goodies actually killing each other or the splatter of tomato blood everywhere. Perhaps a bit of both. Classic episode, though, definitely in my top five. Yeah, I think that was a point that we raised as well that he's concurring with. And, yeah, I think it's in our top five or top ten. Mm. But, yeah, the sight of the goodies killing each other was a little bit weird. Trace, what did you think of that one when you saw it as a kid? Do you remember? I can't remember the first time I saw it, but I know that I like it now. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> Now, we have some comments here about our books. Hi. Podcast? Yeah, great. Yeah, I was afraid we might have bored people to death with that one, so I was actually good <laughs> to see we got some positive feedback. One here from uh, Manny Sherard, who says, The Goodies File is still one of my favourite comedy books ever. Hilarious, but a few of the UK references were quite lost on me as a young kid. We've also got actually a correction from Brett Allender, who wrote one of the books we covered. Ah. Doing there, The Goodies Episode Guide. Yep. And listener, hello Brett, if you're listening to this one. Hello Brett. Hey, Brett. Hey, Brett. He says, My book, in inverted commas, was a very early draft of the Goodies episode summaries that I wrote in the late 1990s. I did a full update of the episode summaries in 2005, including the addition of lots more screen captures, and these can all be viewed on the Goodies Rule OK website in the Articles Guides section. Yeah. I do remember him having paper copies for sale at the convention, so that's probably where we thought it perhaps was a book. That's the one I've got. That's the one I've got too. Likewise. A couple more uh, on the books. Totally enjoyed that episode. From Jenny Doyle, I have most of the books you mentioned and I didn't know about the others that were only available in Australia. She also continues with, 
and Brett Allender's book. I've taken over the running of the Clarion and Globe Goodies fan club newsletter and have been listening to your podcasts in the newsletter. Thank you. Oh, Thank you very, very much, Jenny. So that's all the comment we've had for the episodes that we've released at the time of recording this. Mm. Have we got anything else? No, I don't have anything else to say other than thanks for listening for the year. Thanks for putting up with me. And me. And him. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to Trace for being our guest. Thanks for having me. So we hope you're enjoying this. Of course, we'll be back with more episodes, pushing into Season 7, then Season 8, and, wow, we'll soon be at the ITV episodes. It's getting a bit sad, isn't it? We're actually starting to wind down. <laughs> we are, we are. But we hope you're enjoying it. We'll have more soon. So for all of you who are listening to this at Christmas time, a Merry Christmas to all of you at home. And until then, Father Christmas, do not touch me. At 12 o'clock on Christmas Eve, she tiptoed up the stairs. She stood beneath the mistletoe and combed her silken hair. Then Santa Claus slipped down the flue and caught her unawares. And this is what she said. Oh, Father Christmas, do not touch me. Father Christmas, do not touch me. Father Christmas, do not touch me. As she stood beneath the mistletoe Oh, my name is Father Christmas He informed her as he met her She said Good grief, it's seven years since I sent you a letter He said I can't stand little girls Bigger ones are better And this is what she said Oh, Father Christmas, do not touch Most immoral sound.